This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Whip it out. If you decided to be a goalkeeper, there must be something wrong with you. It's a beautiful baby buffalo. Croatian Mafia. I was at the parties. Dude, it was in a bit of trouble. Sammy Hoopia threw up. Five is big. Why is it with Dutch people in darks? So I wore a full scuba outfit and went to go visit Muff. Like, goalkeeping managers are the new Carls. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to That Peter Crouch Podcast with me, Peter Crouch, Chris Stark and Statman Dave with me as usual. You right, boys? Good, Dave. You good? Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Have you been up to anything, Chris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll, we'll talk about You're it. You're right. So he, he's been chatting a little bit off air about um, flight paths. No. Um, please enlighten us no, instantly. I, I actually thought you might be interested in this. I'm interested. Because you've got a bit of free time now. And I like to imagine that when you're on the golf course, as a plane goes over, you might be interested in what... <laughs> where it's going, where it's come from, can that you, kind of thing. Can you just explain to us what you do now? So I've downloaded and now paid for a premium version of, <laughs> of a uh, flight tracking app. And uh, basically, I was away with a family recently and we were in, uh, we're staying somewhere in the Cotswolds and it happened to be really close to Bryce Norton, you know, a military, um, <laughs> a military airport. And so I was tracking these planes as they go over and from a stats point of view, it's extraordinary, Dave. It's like all the information of every plane. So what we got? Speed, height. It's everything. It's every. I'm. I'm. I've become without really realizing a full-on plane spotter, <laughs> and it, it's such a joy. So you can see where, like, where it's taking off, where it's going, where it's about to land. See, I, I know you, and I know you're thinking like I know you're sort of taking a piss in your brain, right? But there'll be other people listening to this that that use these apps. So look at this. So um, this one flying through the sky, right? This one. So I click on it, get all the information. <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad. <laughs> but crouching is better, right? There's a camera mode. See, I knew it. I knew it'd nibble. You look at me. Sometimes this happens. It's not you... bad. So then, look, this one. Click on that. What Ryan, have we got? Ryanair. Ryanair. Gatwick to Dublin. Probably late. I'm now tracking that. I'm now, I'm now tracking that the whole way. It's good, and I check they land all right. You know, <laughs> I thought if, if where's one place I can share a passion, you know, and it's it's on this podcast, and maybe it's just me. Maybe no, no, Chris. Me. Do you know what I mocked you at the start there, and um, I just wasn't expecting it, but actually, I think I feel like you've convinced me to um, have a have a look at that. Anyway, today is the second half of your Ultimate Eleven. Do you want to explain the, the story so far if people are just joining us on this podcast now? So, yeah, I mean, the premise is I've picked a squad of players that, um, that I feel would be the best squad that I've played with um, for, for all manner of reasons, you know, not just ability, but like character, personality, you know, friends, uh, you know, that I've, I've played with. And we, we've, we've only just got through the... The sort of defenders really and goalkeepers. Um, I have got three substitute goalkeepers. <laughs> it's not it's not a conventional squad, but I think I've explained that pretty well. Yeah, um, we need to discuss where we're up to with Crouchfest as well. Obviously, there was an announcement in the last podcast. People seem to be massively happy that we're uh, going to do Crouchfest. Crouchfest two, uh, it's going to be bigger than <laughs> than ever. We've only done it once before, mm. and now we're at Wembley Arena. It's it's going to be. Huge. Yeah, it's been a, there's been a real buzz about it, Chris, which is I'm obviously pleased about. 
Yeah, we should say thank you so much to everyone that's uh, been getting the word out there and, oh, it's going to be so good. Look at the demand that has been since we announced this thing and, um, yeah, we're really excited. It's it's a hell of a lot of admin for us in the background, but hopefully it'll be really worth it on the day. We've got to sort the lineup as well. I know we've been having private discussions about people that we want to be there, whether we should say about who's coming and who isn't coming, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, we've had a, had a few people like, you know, because now it's a thing, you know, like I've had people reaching out to me potentially to, to come on and um, I've, I'm turning people away. I'll be honest with you, but we'll discuss that off air. All right. One thing we did at the last Crouch Fest, which I thought was really good, and I think it was mainly done as a bit of a time filler, um, was we got a card machine, didn't we? And we said if, if someone in the audience could guess your pin code... Mm. You'd buy a drink for absolutely everybody in there. Yeah, but like things have gone up a scale here, Chris. So I probably shouldn't do that one now. Yeah, it was a good game though. So it was I, a good game. It was a great game. But like, there's a lot of people in the uh, yeah. arena. But you're a wealthy man. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, don't worry about it, Crouchy, because we have thought of another good game. Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, behind we my have. back, there's a we new have. game that there we is don't a new know. Game, but I don't want to tell you about oh, it. Oh, what? So look, there's a lot of secrets and there's a lot being planned, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Quick reminder, you can get your tickets for Crouchfest by heading to gigsandtours.com or Ticketmaster. Tickets are available now. So tell anyone you know who hasn't already heard that Crouchfest is coming to Wembley on the 19th of November. Link in the episode description for the tickets too. So Dave, you're in charge of uh, stats. Um, who have I picked so far? So far, Crouchy, we've got David James in goal. We've also got three sub-goalkeepers, mainly for morale. Uh, we've, the right-backs are Glenn Johnson, who we don't know whether you're friends at the moment. We'll find that out on Crouchfest. Centre-backs, Jamie Carragher, Ledley King, and of course, Jonathan Woodgate. On to left-backs. Uh, that's Herman Horizon, just a, you know, a genuinely aggressive man um, who I love dearly. Right, Crouchy, let's look at the midfielders. Who are you going with first? I've gone with uh, Sean Derry here. Dave, obviously a bit of a friend of the pod. You know, I've mentioned him before. I think you can see sort of how fondly I speak of him. Um, he's gone on to uh, be a coach under Patrick Vieira at Palace now. Um, he's been a manager in his own right. Um, and I saw that at a really young age. You know, I, went, I moved from QPR my first professional season to move to Portsmouth. And um, you don't know who you meet. You know, I, I just happened to live quite near Sean Derry and Courtney Pitt and sort of us... We used to call ourselves the Three Musketeers, believe it or not. And Des looked after me. He was a little bit older than me, probably three or four years older. A captain in the making, you know, but like also very fun. And I've never known in all my years of football, really, someone be so different from the Desert that I knew to the Sean Derry at the training ground. I love that about him. Like, he literally was so much fun. He used to have a laugh, he used to have a beer. As soon as he walked through the gates at the training ground, he was a like a different man you've spoken about him a lot but I actually I don't remember you talking about this difference between him as the fun character we've heard about on this podcast yeah. and obviously a good footballer but like the uber pro when he turns up at training so was that the kind of thing where sometimes did you ever get it wrong like you'd piss around with him and he'd shut you down a little bit exactly or? right he was my mentor in some ways at that young age. Like, I was doing really well. Like, I couldn't stop scoring for Portsmouth that year. And I it was just all great for me and I was enjoying it. And he sort of, like, made me see right from wrong. There's a time for have, to have fun and a time to be, you know, get your professional head on. And he was a big help to me. And um, 
and we've, you know, when I talked about our funnel, you know, we, we created Come Dine With Me and we've talked about this, this before. This is a classic, classic <laughs> podcast story. But I sometimes I'm aware that we're, how many series now? Seven in and some <laughs> well, of these stories get, don't know get lost along the way. Do you want to quickly explain the Come Dine With Me set up? The Come Dine With stuff was uh, myself, um, Sean Derry and Courtney Pitt were, we lived in Port Solent, Portsmouth, and we were dotted around sort of the marina. And um, we, we couldn't keep eating out. You know, we were awful at cooking. Um, so we, we decided, right, that's that. We, we need to sort this out. We need, with, with professional footballers, we'll cook for each other. And we had, you know, Monday was Courtney's night. Tuesday was Sean's, Wednesday was mine, you know, we, and we just varied it. Um, but we, 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 we had like loads of restaurants where we lived um, on the marina there. So we, we ate out quite a bit, but it was just so nice to just have the home comforts at home. And let's be honest, like when I moved, away, this is the first time I moved away from home and uh, I lived like a student. It was ridiculous, really. Like we're earning good money and I, I basically lived like my mates who had no money at home. I, because that's all I knew, you know. I did. I, 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 inflatable furniture. I had inflatable was, furniture. Yeah. yeah, like people couldn't believe it. They come around my house and go, like, you're playing, you know, professional football. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think I was on about, I think I was on about eight grand a week, and I had no, I had no furniture. So much money, I, I'd isn't no, it? I, I, <laughs> like, I had no. I had no how, how old were you at that point? Nineteen. You could, have gone, you could have bought the whole of Ikea. Yeah, but at no, 19, you don't give a shit about I'd that. No, yeah, I, I, I literally had no clue what I was doing. I was there. I had no sheets on my bed. I had no furniture for, for like months. I was, I'd blow up furniture. I was sitting on a... Um, <laughs> it's the idea that inflatable furniture would be easier than just... just getting well, I just in... got it for... The, like my mum said, oh, would you put this in and then we'll order you a um, like a sofa and all that. And I just never really got round to it. I was like, this is fine. <laughs> It was literally, you walk in and it's just walls, blub up furniture, a kitchen. Now, I'm, thankfully, my mum got me some plates and stuff. <laughs> and a, <laughs> two beds in it. I swear to you, there was, I don't think there was one picture on the wall. Because that could be quite dangerous, right? From a football club's point of view, they're looking at, you're like, you're an asset. So don't they need you to be healthy and like inflatable furniture and kind of this, this, this lifestyle? could be like detrimental. Opposite. It could be yeah. detrimental. I, 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 I think it is. And it's, I think it's a lot different now. Um, I don't think you'd be left to your own devices potentially now. But, you know, I did, I, I trained well. I, I did eat reasonably. I tried to eat well. But yeah, I was on my own and I didn't really have a clue about life. I was so, I was a child in a man's world earning men's money. And I had no clue what I was doing. So how, flat. how did you eat well then if you didn't know what you were well I just thought I'd just eat pasta and chicken and like stuff that you sort of like learn from you know basic food like when I was eating and when I was eating out I wasn't eating like curries I was going for like Italians <laughs> <laughs> just, just imagine this do you ever have a suggestion of getting like a private chef or a personal chef that no, could... I didn't even think that because you know what Dave no, like I I definitely that's a, such a valid point because I've got that money to spend that on but like I just speak to my mates every day and I said like what do you what are you doing and they'd be like oh you know I just didn't have any comprehension that you yeah. could do that I'm not from that you know I'm not from people who had personal chefs or <laughs> you know I'm not yeah someone gave you this load of money but I didn't have to I well, you, you were just happy you were happy yeah I was just going like oh my god that's fine. building up greatly <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like think to spend any of it on it on something that would make my life easier or better surely you want 19 20 21 year old players to be 
relaxed enough to be 19, 20, 21 year old players and unbelievable talents and the two will grow together. But as soon as one starts opposing the other, like if constantly all their mates have to do a different life, you're going to have players choosing between whether they want to be a footballer or they want to be... And yes, I imagine the money is a huge side of it. You know, you're drawn into a contract with clubs and it's big money and expectations. But in my head, I kind of want to see a 19-year-old be a 19-year-old or a 20 be a 20-year-old and manage both things the best they can. But I get what you're saying totally, but like I did have a mad focus from such a young age. So like from 14 to 21, I reckon that was the most dedicated. And my kids, I will instill this in them that... I think that is the most important time of not just a young footballer's life, of, of anyone's life. Because you, that shapes you. It's like if you dedicate yourself, when everyone's going to parties, if you go, right, I'm, this, this is what I want to be, this is what I want to do, and you go for that and like go, right, it doesn't matter what you want to be. If you want to be an actor, a singer, a frigging accountant, if you dedicate those years and go, everyone's going out, I'm going to do this, like you will be better off at like that. 30 sort of 25 30 40 age a million percent like I did I dedicate myself to football like my dad was amazing to me and he said to me if you do that you won't be a footballer like, give us give us like an example so you mean as a like because this is obviously the lesson that you've taken from your dad right yeah would he would your mates the, you know you're still best mates with a lot of your still best now, mates still you know but they so they were all going out so if they were going to a party on um you know and Friday you night off, like, I'll be like dad like everyone's going to a party and he'd go like you can go he would always say it's not my decision you can go no worries but I doubt you'll make it as a footballer or what's your manager going to think of that and I'd go actually like, and it would just play with me and I'd go and I'd make my own decision which is what was amazing like he would let me make my decision, but I would always choose not to. And I would always choose football. And like that period of between 14 to sort of 21, where I did dedicate myself. And listen, I had fun along the way, but I knew when to like cut it off. So I'd go to a party and I'd be home, I'd leave at 9.30. Or, and like everyone else would go, and I'd, I'd hear about it the next day and I'd go, yeah, I missed out, but I've got a goal. I don't know what you're doing at that point, Chris, but I, I think that was an important part of my life as well. That, you know, you find out, what you're made of, in a sense. Obviously, you peaked at year six. Well, so your dad was like, telling you, right, yeah, I mean, no, I peaked, I so I was enjoying <laughs> retirement after year six, like, to a certain extent. Like, but, so, so was, was no, I, your parents were there saying, you can go to a party, Dave, or you can sit in and do math. <laughs> so, <laughs> you could analyze. Believe it, believe it or not, I was at the parties, and it got to a point where I did too much of that. Yeah. And then it then I had to change because I was doing too much drinking. I was having too much fun. I, I, I think you're and it right. Wasn't locked in, and then I had to make my own mistakes. Mm. I think that's the beauty of it is that you have to understand to get that next like edge. Oh, I think this is really interesting, especially as a dad as well. In kind of what you're meant to be instilling, or not meant to be instilling, but you know what you could be instilling in your kids to potentially go on and and get to where you are in the and game. And, and also young players, like, I don't, I yeah. don't know if, they, if they want to get in touch with us, it's that petercratchpodcast.com. Yeah, let's do that. And maybe we can make a good episode out of this. I think um, think it could be a goer. A lot of this squad that you're choosing at the moment, Crouchy, lunatic, animal, they're, they're words that are used to... <laughs> I don't know if that reflects on me or, like, <laughs> I don't know. There are people that would entertain me Yeah, uh, as well as perform yes you're i like that in a squad 
What should we go for next in your midfield? I can't do a midfield without putting Steven Gerrard in it. We've talked about him many a time on this pod, you know. Like I think he's the best player that I've I've played with. I think one of the interesting things for me, I used to hate him because I was a Manchester I'm a Manchester United fan. He was one of those players that would always perform against Manchester United. He'd always score goals, he'd always make things happen against my football team. But Crouch, you we you know, we spoke about Derry's midfielder, now he's a coach. Gerrard, now he's a manager. What's that? Why, why is it midfielders that seem to be the ones that are coming through as the mm. coaches? Yeah, that, I know what you're saying. Like, I, just, I just think it's the character. Like, you could see it. Like, you know, Scott Parker as well, like you mentioned. Like, the ones that I played with, like, you, you knew Stevie would be, a, would be a manager. Like, he lives and breathes it. And not that I don't, but like, I, I don't know. It's a different mentality. Like, to go from that intense as a footballer and then go straight into to management, it takes a certain person, you know. Like, I... I did want to spend time with my family. I wanted to have a little break. I wanted to try other things, you know, like football was my life, my whole life. But then when I retired at 38, I thought, you know what, like, let's try something different. Like with him, you just know it's just football. You know, it's always going to be it's that. It's total, isn't and it? It's like, yeah. And, that, you know, you can see it in, it in everything he does and um, he lives and breathes it. And I, I, I'm not saying that I didn't, but I, I did want to try something else and I knew he wouldn't. Dave, is midfield... In terms of managers and coaches, is it statistically, are there more managers and coaches that come from midfield than any other? Like, So if we think of the top ones, right? Guardiola, central midfielder. Carlo Ancelotti, central midfielder. Their understanding of the whole game because of the position and what it entails. Let me ask you something, Dave, right? Do, do, like centre forwards, strikers, like not so much. And goalkeepers? Yeah. Managers, are they? Or goalkeepers, yeah. Mm. No, there is, there's obviously... Look, you That's know, obvious, so that was... That, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew you'd nibble. I knew you'd nibble. You, for that one, he hates any notion that centre-forwards yeah. and goalkeepers can be compared to no, that, that was, but also, that was secondly, obvious. What I'm saying they, is like, utter disgust <laughs> at the thought of a goalkeeper being a, a, in charge of a football team. Name me, name me one. I can't think the of one. The silence speaks volumes. I can't think of one. <laughs> why is that, why is that happen then? Why it's, would they be discussed this, have we? We're not footballers, are they? Nuno Espirito Santo as a Premier League one. Yeah. Doesn't have yeah. a job anymore though. Yeah. It's a nice shout. Well, let's be honest, like goalkeeping <laughs> managers are the new Carls. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Let's be honest. I like some Google. If I'm you just... know if you know one, please get in touch. It's not football, is it? They're playing. <laughs> Well, it is. It's it's an important position on the pitch. They're not playing football, mate. They're but, catching. But, but don't you think? But how? But here's what I don't understand. Right, a lot of goalkeepers become captains because they're in, you know they're behind everyone. I they can that. see everything playing out. If anything, they're more tactically aware of what the whole team are doing than the centre forward. That's a valid point. Like they see formations they, and they watch more than say a, a midfielder would because you know you're so preoccupied with playing football. Will they be more? Because we're getting ball-playing goalkeepers that do more than the old-school goal... Like Manuel Neuer, because he can basically play in central midfield. What are we claiming here? Jordan Pickford, first-ever England goalie manager? But are we seeing goalkeepers moving into the sort of the, the, the boardroom? Khan, do, you, do you think... Edwin van der Sar... Yeah, boardroom. But do you think there's a, there's a little bit of a lack of respect from Stigma. potentially the <laughs> rest of the, play, of the players? Why are they allowed to be captains, but... It's almost like they're allowed to be captains, but not good enough to manage. Statistically then, Dave, this is another one to look at. How many captains yeah. become managers? Because I think if you're a captain, yeah. you're held in a certain 
high regard, right? It's it. You then become a manager. Like I wonder if there's a disproportion of people who are captains who then go on to managers. In which case, then it makes the goalkeeper thing even weirder because there are a lot of goalkeepers that are captains but never go on. They've to also there's another stat I want to throw you at. How many? It's all homework. How many people? <laughs> we'll have to get involved. Yeah, in it, yeah. yeah. For, just for next week. Yeah. But um, how many people that are parched during their career? <laughs> That's what then become. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say the parched ratio versus the captain ratio will be very interesting to look at. Yeah. It's all homework, which... Yeah. All stuff to get on with, Dave. Yeah, but come, I don't come think back, come back next to, week. Yeah, come back to us on that, though, because uh, I think it's important. And also, if you are a goalkeeper, it's tricky, isn't it? As we keep saying, there's so many guys who listen to this as well that are goalkeepers. We don't want to put you off your job, but if there's no longevity in the game for you further than your career, that's something else you've got to think about. I just think being it's a, a goalkeeper. bananas shout to be a keeper in the first place, to be quite honest. If we do need like, don't, them don't, for the game, don't we? But it I mean, must, you know, if you decided to be a goalkeeper, there must be something wrong with you. And, that, <laughs> and, that, and that's why you can't manage. And that is why no chief execs or owners will take a risk on they them. They don't trust goalkeepers who arguably are the more trustworthy of all the people. Look, look how boring some of them are. Look how sensible they are. The big thing though, for you Crouchy, you've got the frame and I want to put this on you. Son would be a great goalkeeper. There'll be a day because science evolves that wife's just given birth. You'll be like, what? It first, is baby okay? Baby is okay. What is it? And the midwife will look at it and go, it's a false nine. <laughs> You've, you've got yourself a buffalo there. It's a beautiful baby buffalo. <laughs> Should we move on to the next midfielder? Well, that's Lee Hendry, Dave. Um, I've picked him for a number of reasons. Um, really talented player. I actually remember watching him play. Uh, me and my dad went to Wembley to watch uh, the old Wembley to watch his England debuts. You know, not necessarily to see Lee Hendry play, but we went to watch him. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that's quite a tribute. <laughs> Dad, can we go to Wembley to watch Lee Hendry? <laughs> he was 18. He was so young. A bit weird. I remember him doing... Anyone who was there that day, right, the old Wembley, he did this Cruyff and I was like, wow, like, imagine coming on and even the debut, like, it seemed so miles away for me, like, to, to see him do that. And he was so comfortable in possession, like, really good player and he was a bit of a legend at Aston Villa. Obviously, local boy, Bromley. I signed for Aston Villa when I was 23. Lee Hendry sort of took me under his wing, looked after me. Um, again, a bit like, Sean Derry in some ways, you know, like Henders, uh, Gareth Barry, J. Lloyd Samuel, Darius Vassell was sort of like around my age. There was a lot of older players. So like imagine walking to a dressing room like Paul Merson, um, Olaf Melberg, uh, Ronnie Johnson, Peter Schmeichel, Paul Merson, Dion Dublin, Ian Taylor, um, household names, you know. Mm. Um, so to walk in there and I just sort of got my little click of the, the young lads, local boys really. And my mates from London were like hammering me because I'd, I'd go out with them a lot and I'd met their friends and I'd come back to London and I had I got like a brummy twang a little bit and bizarrely I don't I ended up talking I just loved the lads so much and like we had such a good time that I ended up coming back and I'm like why are you talking like a brummy I love it when footballers do that you know when they've been in a club for a while and they just get that little they get that little twang. Yeah, I had it. You see it with Vincent Company. You see it with like, you just see it with certain players. Yeah, Mulby, Diddy Man. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but you're one, you had a slight, a slight brummy. I went a bit brummy. I was only you? there two and a half years. I don't know what happened to me. I just, I don't know. I just, did, I, was everyone else the same? I'm just thinking of some of the legends in that and imagine them now with a brummy twist. Well, Gareth Barry, for instance, right, was from Hastings. You know, he's from like near Brighton. Um, I, I, but he, he was 
Bromley. He'd been up there for so long, you know. He, he, he had loads of mates up there. And and Henders, yeah, he looks after me loads. And um, and Gareth as well. Um, but yeah, like, I just... I, I, he was just such a good character. He was a great player. Um, so that's why I was in my team. I was going to say, in terms of like Gareth Barry and, and Lee Hendry, they had very different careers in a sense. Obviously, Barry went on to make the record appearances in the Premier League. What was different about them? Um, we liked to go out every now and then in Birmingham. And Henders uh, was very, very loud um, and very... I mean, I couldn't get away with anything and neither could he. I mean, everyone in Birmingham knew he was and everyone in Birmingham couldn't, couldn't miss me. <laughs> Gareth had this amazing ability to, to blend in. There's just something about his personality or, or his look. I don't know what it is. Unbelievable footballer. Like, clearly a top bloke. But there was just something where he had that rare thing, maybe as a footballer, where he could potentially walk down the street and you wouldn't necessarily get him as the kind of like, it's that X Factor it's thing. It's so it's, true. He was That's just exactly a working what he had. footballer. Like, you just knew, like, he's had, he's had the most appearances of any player in the Premier League of all time. I reckon if he walked down the road, Lee Hendry would get recognised more. Right, so we've got Sean Derry, we've got Gerard, we've got Lee Hendry. Who's next? I'm going for Luka Modric, Dave. Uh, it's pretty self-explanatory, but also, we all know, he's won the Ballon d'Or, for God's sake. I mean, what a player. Uh, I don't even have to speak about his, you know, technical ability. Uh, but also, what an amazing person. Like, him, Chorluka, Cranshaw, the Croatian mafia. <laughs> Absolutely loved them. Like, honestly, like, we, we just loved them as people. Like, they, they, I don't know, they were quite English in many ways. Um, just great in the dressing room. And Luca was the same. I saw him at the Champions League final in, um, you know, in, in the summer uh, when he played Liverpool, and he was just the same person, you know. And he's gone on to win everything, and got I got on great with him. With the Croatian lads, you mentioned the Croatian mafia. Was it all technique with those lads? Oh, I mean, all of, yeah. I mean, Cranchar was an unbelievable player. Uh, you know, great finisher. Like, I remember, like in training, where, where have they got that from then? Where, what, what's happened there? What do you think? Um, well, I think I've got two. Of the best there. Like, I literally, Cranchar was very underrated as a player. Like, anyone who's played with Nico Cranchar would tell you how good he was. Um, and Modric the same. Chor Luka, you know, he was a good, like, solid defender. But Luka's relationship with Chor Luka was, was amazing. Um, they were so tight that even, even to the point where we got to the stage where we'd all have our own rooms and they would always room together. Always. Um, you know, like, that didn't happen anymore. But still... Oh, even when you were on your own? Yeah, we'd like, all were... have our own rooms now. Like, that That went out in a sort of... That's a funny one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but like, <laughs> even if they had, a, they had a double bed, they'd still be in it together. Yeah, but why? Like, I know that, that's lovely, obviously. It's great that they're so tight like that. But that's that's a funny one to keep going when all your other teammates are like, you can oh, have your own room. room. Yeah, and they're they were like, like no, no, we'll stay together. No, they didn't want to. They didn't want to. They were so tight. But I loved that about them. Like, yeah. they all sort of like knocked about together. But everyone I've met, like Bilic, the same, Robert Prozanecki, like all the, like the Croatian players that I played with, like they all had this sense of sort of togetherness that I quite liked and I always got on great That's with them. That's amazing. What about the first time you heard the phrase, give it to Modric? Like, do, do you remember, do you remember where you were? No, I remember, and I like... remember the exact, I remember we were in the dressing room and Wilson was trying to like roll his foot over the ball and, and like trying to do things that Harry thought he shouldn't be doing. Um, so he was sort of digging him out and he just said, look, look, Wilson, let me tell you your role. It's 
you go and win the ball back, you go and hunt it down, and, and his exact words were, I don't care if Luca fucking Modric is there, you pass to him. And he, like, he was talking like an inch away. He literally, like, if you've got it, just roll it to him and let him play. He's basically saying you can't play and he can't. Do you think Harry knew that from the off with Modric? It's like, you just give it to Modric. Or how long did it take for that to become something in the team that was just said? Yeah, like, I think when I first arrived, it was like, yeah, you know, he's a good player. I don't think we realised sort of, sort of how good. But like, I mean, listen, if you're a football person, you know a good look at Modric is. All right, Crouchy, let's get... Should we get one more name in there? Um, I know there's a couple on the list that are in front of me here that you've sort of sent ahead. Um, who do you want to concentrate on? Well, it's a difficult one for me, this, because I've got to pick one name because I'm, I'm conscious of time. But <laughs> it's gone on again. It's going episode, on, really it? going on. Yeah, I'm banging, it, I'm banging I, I on. I think we're all enjoying it, yeah, I hope. It's sensational. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the honourable mention to Diddy Man because um, what a man. One of the finest human beings um, I've ever come across in my life. Um, he's the, the biggest German scouser you'll ever meet in your life. Um, but I've gone for Robert Prozanecki. Uh, yes, because the reason behind this was because I was a young player, 19, as we mentioned, Port Solent, um, you know, with, with Courtney Pitt and Sean Derry, and all of a sudden, Robert Prozanecki rolls into Portsmouth. Um, Real Madrid, Barcelona, um, Croatia, legend. Um, mm. and, and I was... Being a young sort of budding footballer, seeing someone like that walk through the door, all of a sudden you're like, wow. Did like, he have that presence wow, as well? God, I mean, what a player he was. And then, you know, you roll in and he's, he's got a red Marlboro in his mouth. And then um, that took me aback. And, and, and from then on, I, I've never seen anyone smoke so much in my life. Like, like, and need it at half time. So, like games, he would have a, he would, he would go into the. I remember, I remember Harry, Graham Ricks at first, and then Harry doing team talks and and talking to Robert, and then he, he, he'd sort of like lean through from the showers with a with a red Marlboro. It Harry was, said nothing. It, well, no, no one. Everyone just accepted it was Robert Prozanecki, and he'd smoke at half time. Um, did, did anyone try and copy that and then no, down no. Or like, was oh, he the only one smoking right, in the I, showers <laughs> if all of a sudden like Harry's doing a team talk we're all going alright huh? <laughs> that's mad then isn't it yeah like, but it's Robert Prozanecki I think you could I don't, I don't know it was dealt with anyway it was, probably shouldn't have been but that's how it was um, he was <laughs> he was quite open about it Um just, yeah, and really the red hard ones, you know. Uh, he, he was just into that, but what, what a player. Uh, couldn't run, uh, couldn't move much, but he had this trick of, like, he'd roll his foot over the ball. And, like, everyone knew it was coming, but you just couldn't... Everyone flinched. It didn't matter who you... Got, and he'd, he'd be gone. He'd just, he'd just go to shoot and roll his foot over the ball, and then he, he used to do this chop, and chop and he kept chopping and like people would always go for it and then he'd just put the ball on a sixpence and I, I remember scoring like I think it was 19 goals that year um, and most of them were from him he, he, like he'd get inside the, and he'd just he'd just pinpoint put these crosses in and no whip or he just picked me out every single time and every pass he played right and left foot was genius and um, you speak to anyone at Fratton Park or anyone who was a Portsmouth fan at that time and they tell you about Prozanecki. It was um, it was just a pleasure to uh, to have played with him and and having said that, listen, he had his he had his flaws. You know, I think he didn't really understand where he was at times. Uh, he'd come from Barcelona and Real Madrid and all of a sudden he was at Fratton Park in a championship and you know he's up at Grimsby thinking you know where am I? But he was <laughs> unreal and. 
when you asked him to track back and stuff like that, he didn't speak any English. When <laughs> when there was a free kick and he wanted to be on it, he spoke perfect. Oh, right. Fluent English. Well, he's just a legend. Yeah. Did he, did he smoke on the bus? Uh, not so much on the bus, but like anywhere there was any point to stop. So I was doing a bit of research on, on Prozanecki. A little excerpt from his Wikipedia page. His biggest weakness as a footballer was his proneness to muscular injuries, his poor defensive work rate, his inconsistencies, and his motivation. Sound about right? Well, I think that's just summed him up, isn't it? I think... I've explained him in a way I didn't know that, Dave. But like that, you know, his inconsistency, his work rate, his motivation. I think we missed it. on that little insert. We need to put in Butter Maverick. I think we need to give oh. him the the positive of that. And I'm not going to say like there was a lot of players that didn't like him in, within our dressing room because of his work rate and and how much he didn't give a fuck about defending really. <laughs> but like actually watching him going forward was. Uh, was was unbelievable. Did Harry really like? Him? I loved him. He loved. Well, he loved the Canio. He loved. Uh, mm. He loved players of that kind of, you know, that kind of ability. Um, and it's one of those where you sort of let him get away with with a lot more than he would let me get away with, for instance. Yeah, and as a young player in that dressing room, you benefit from that experience. I imagine that's what maybe Harry's always done quite well. Is mm. he's always respected, sort of. Older is a bit of a patronising way of putting it, but um, you know, it's the well established. It's the, it's the Cantona, it's the, the Canio, it's that type of player that can win you a game that you may have to do a little bit more defensive work for him. Well, yeah, you, you, you have to you have to allow for these players sometimes. You know, like I think, you know, Cantona could probably get away with a lot more than Gary Neville could. Do you know what I mean? Like that's because Gary Cantona might win you a game or. I don't know, there's a bit of leeway for these types of players as long as they're producing, but the moment they don't is when they, you know, get... Well, and a presence, I'm sure, in the, as part of a squad and and just in terms of, like, looking up to these kind of legends, like, it's quite cool playing with these players, right? And That's the best. I mean, like, I've played with Robert Prozanecki. Like, yeah. I've, I'm thankful, <laughs> thankful every day, you know. Like, listen, I might not have got that move to the Premier League without him. Right, Crouch, you've done the midfield. It's time for that forward line. There's some good players in here. Yeah, there is. I mean, listen, you know, I love a forward. And I think the first one I'm going to go for is Fowler. Uh, played with him, obviously came back. It wasn't real peak Fowler, like early Liverpool days. Um, you know, he'd been around and then he'd come back to Liverpool when I played with him. But uh, again, I've gone for a top fella. Like, um, I ruined them. Uh, quite a bit and we had such a laugh and like for me gr- growing up and like watching Robbie Fowler like just loved him you know like and then so to meet him and then realise he's exactly how I imagined him was was great and I've obviously got to go for a few beers with him you know still in touch every now and then and uh, for me that's that's great and that's why he's in and rooming with him there were some great stories on that like there was there was that time as well was he hidden up at the top oh, or, or was when, that you when he hid in the wardrobe it, that was it. single single like one of the most funniest things I've ever seen in my life <laughs> um, when when uh, well, when it was all going off on this trip you know the Bellamy Lisa mm. situation happened in Portugal and Dudek was in a bit of trouble Sammy Hoopia threw up and um <laughs> There was a lot going on that night. Rafa come out in his pajamas, and um, just the thought that just reminiscing of when Fowler was in that in that cupboard above his head. Um, while it feels like an out of body experience now. When when I think back to that, like if my you know being young and watching Robbie Fowler and seeing him in that wardrobe, thinking how have I got myself in yeah. this situation? When I'm playing for Liverpool. The manager's barking at me. For, 
where's Robbie? And I and I could see him in the cupboard above his head. One of the finest things I've ever seen. Doesn't get better than that. From looking at Robbie from a stats perspective, genuinely blew my mind. Yeah, really. Didn't realise he was that good a player, straight up. So he's the only player in the Premier League to score over 100 goals with his left foot. He's the only player to score four-plus goals with his left foot in a single game. He's done that twice. Hold I, on. He's I the think... only player to have scored 100 goals with his left foot. In the Premier League. In the Premier League. Wow. Salah, right now, is on 99. Really? Wow. But that's the levels. He was unbelievable. When he burst on the scene at 18, he's seen nothing like it. He's seen no finishing like it. It was phenomenal. I think for me, Michael Owen was the first wonder kid that I had in my life. That was when I was around eight, yeah, eight years old. That was probably before that. Yeah, I mean, you've seen nothing like it. I mean, he was he was unbelievable, like banging in goals for fun and like so sharp with his feet. His finishing was just off the scale. Mm-hmm. I think he's the type of player that could play now in Liverpool system on the left on the right wing. I think mm. it'd be, he'd be absolutely perfect in 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 that. Mm. Oh, he was he was he was so good finisher. Right, let's go for another forward Fowler to who are we going next. Raphael van der Vaart, Chris. Yeah, um, yeah um, me and him just stuck up an amazing relationship at Tottenham. Uh, the minute he came in, the first training session we connected, um, we were up front together and like everything I was doing, he was around, he was on my wavelength. We just had an amazing understanding. And um, I'm not saying it's because we... I just think he was such an intelligent footballer. Um, he was just knew where to be. He was just good on the ball he was he knew when to go wide he knew when to get around me and if something was coming in something might drop he could score goals he would create we just got on great and we got on great off the field as well um is that kind of dave i don't know if you if this is just mad to say is it was was this potentially a bit of an ajax thing like was it a style was it a personality and style as a footballer that comes from that sort of well, upbringing? Or I think not? There's, there's a lot about the Dutch people that, like Dirk Kite was the same. Like a lot of Dutch people that <clears throat> I played with as well, like similar kind of like they're quite similar to English in lots of ways. They they quite enjoy. Um, I mean, he slipped into being in London like really quick, and he loved it. Again, it was one of those those teams that kind of went down in my life as a, like a. The first Ajax team I knew it was Wesley Schneider was there. Raphael van der Vaart was probably one of my favourite players growing up. And I think, like you're saying, Chris, is that almost tactical understanding that the Dutch players have because of the academy they go through that they have the understanding knockdowns. Just a stat that I was looking through this, I went back to the 2010-11 Premier League season because that's the type of fun that I get up to. Um, <laughs> Crouchy, you assisted Raphael van der Vaart five times in the Premier League that season. No assister to goal scorer combination. Manage more. Goals in that season. In that season, with five, with five, it, it's it's quite a it, it's a more rare thing than you think. These are the numbers a we were talking in my day. A goal, Chris, another striker, Chris. These are the numbers we were talking in my day. <laughs> Electric. No, but <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I don't want to. It's just I know a lot of these stats are good and a lot of these stats, but it's like, what do you mean? So he assisted Raphael van der Vaart five times, and it's that combination of Crouchy to Raphael van der Vaart. The same season, I think they had a Theo Walcott to van Persie type combination. I think we've been we've, we've been broken a bit from that statistical point from Kane and Son. Yeah. That's kind of ruined our minds in that sense because those two... What was theirs for, for a season? <laughs> so they, they broke the Shearer Sutton record of 13 Oof. literally two yeah. years ago. So they were yeah. 14. Which, on that parade, didn't they? But at the same time, that's like a real rarity. So five is big. It was, it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> what did he say about his time at Real Madrid? Um... Yeah, he loved it. I think it was difficult for him to sort of, um, by the end, I think it was his time to go. Uh, I think 
he would look back on his Tottenham career and perhaps think he should have stayed uh, longer at Spurs because they loved him. The fans loved him. He was brilliant for Spurs and he was such a good player. And I think he would have been a real legend if he'd hang around a bit more. What, a, what an elite sportsman that he can go from that, <laughs> playing football at the highest level, to going and playing darts mm-hmm. as he did. That was Rafa. Did he ever go play darts at the training ground? No, I'd never seen him play darts. Never, no. s- never saw it. Didn't. He played pro. Like... Why is it with Dutch people and darts? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like... I thought that was just our thing. Do you know what I mean? Like... But I think it's such a shame <laughs> you didn't know that about your... He's, he's gone and, you know, he's done all right in another sport, you know, like... Good, good luck to him. Darts at Crouch Fest. That could be... What, yeah. Van der Vaart? Van der Vaart and you. Game on. Game on. Or the par- partnership. Back it was a together. partnership versus yeah. us two. Son and Kane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the real quiz. <laughs> that's, who's the better partnership? <laughs> well, all will be revealed at Crouchfest. <laughs> We've got a couple of spots left, Crouchy, in the forward line. Who are we going with? Um, Defoe is a player I'm going to have in my squad uh, because the most goal-hungry man that I've anyone's ever seen. So if you're, you're struggling for goals near the end, Defoe, another good lad. Well, we so got you're great. iconic, you two, you know. You've got a, a very famous sort of thing there, haven't you? You and Defoe. Yeah, we. I, I think that our relationship, I reckon, I don't think I scored or we scored as a partnership more goals. I don't think I've scored more goals with anyone between us other than me and Defoe. And we're, I'm talking about under-21s as well. England and... Tottenham and Portsmouth were playing together. So, yeah, we go, we go way back. We scored a load of goals together. Um, and Bale is another one for oh. you. So, so Bale is in the squad purely because I saw his transition from sort of boy to man. And I watched him go from a left-back struggling to get in the team to then become one of the world's greatest players. You know, that, that, you know that pace he had and that sort of extra gear that he could get into and obviously famously like going around the outside mm. the way he did. Was there a moment on the training ground that you saw that and just some, suddenly something came together? Because you were seeing him every day. Yeah, there was and a, We saw this progress a lot more gradual than you would have. Mm. Yeah, was there, there was a moment? Or? There was a couple of things like Chris. There was um, like in training, like he was the best player in training every day and it was like weird. Like, and he'd come to games and he'd be a bit nervy. And he was playing left back. And I always say about it's like playing Cristiano Ronaldo right back. It's like he had no real defensive qualities. But then as soon as he got moved further forward, that was the change and the confidence grew. And he was, he's quite, he's quite shy as a lad, you know. So when his confidence grew, then he came out and then the real Gareth could come out. And then obviously watching him destroy Mycon home and away, he scored a hat-trick in the San Siro and then he went back to White Hart Lane and absolutely destroyed one of the best right-backs that we've ever seen. And like, um, and then it just kept going. From then on, it just kept every single week. You'd see a new improvement. It was like, right, give Gareth the ball and just let him do his thing. And watching it sort of happen. And then even after I left, um, he went from like that left wing position to like a free roll, like in behind the front. Uh, like a false nine kind of, and, and and he went from that to like 20, 25 goals and just smashing it. And then obviously he's moved to Real Madrid and then the rest is history. But it was nice to be a part of that journey. Have you ran the um, the viewfinder vape idea past Gareth Bale? <laughs> he's not a vapor. He doesn't even drink. 
He doesn't have a beer. But he, d- he don't so think, I don't think he'd be vaping. I, I, think he'd, I think he'd be on board for the range finding aspect. That's what I meant, the range but finder. Not, That's the not, one I meant. Uh, yeah. Not the vape aspect. I know this is going to go massive. You know it's going to go. It's, it's, it's a great idea. <laughs> What a squad, lads. Unbelievable. That wins the Champions League for me, Crouchy. It's great on a whole... From a fan's point of view, I think it's great as well. It's entertaining. It's talented. From a personal playing point of view, you must be loving that. I'd love to, I'd love to go away uh, in Europe with this squad. See, maybe that's what FIFA needs to become. Like, I think they've nailed the graphics for the game. But what they don't have on FIFA is sort of the nights out and stuff well, like that as part of it. I've incorporated all of it, like... Who would you like to travel and play that's, with? But that's what I mean, because on, on FIFA, I can assemble a squad that I, you know, and I can sort of move them around and, and play. What we need here is Night Simulator. Um, Who do you want to travel rival with? rival to, to Flight Simulator. What, what it needs to be is the footballers with the personality and then you get to choose Birmingham, Manchester, Cardiff, Portsmouth. Like, choose where you want to go out and then you go out on the game. Before we go, though, who's the most parchy out of this squad, Crouchy? Oh, that's a tough one for you. Um, it's not. It's not a very parched squad. But if I had, Sean Derry, would probably be pretty parched in that scenario. Well, you said what a sort of consummate professional he is. As soon as he's yeah. training ground, which is pretty pretty parched, isn't it? So uh, Sean Derry would probably be most parched out of that squad. Would he turn grass at the training ground if, if like, if you've attempted something a bit funny? And there's a suspicion no. it might fall on himself. Would he? Would he a- go grass? Absolutely no grasses in this in this team. <laughs> no grasses. No grass. No parched. <laughs> there's, I don't mind a bit, a bit of parching is fine, but no no grasses. <laughs> oh, it's been it's been a joy working up that squad over the last couple of podcasts. It's taken me months, Chris, um, to sort of come up with this. Uh, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't months, but it was. it's taken up a lot of my time um, thinking about it because I wanted to get this right and I feel like I have. No, and I think it's that commitment to getting it right that really counts. So I guess if you're listening to this and you perhaps want to challenge Crouchy on another 11 of something or or pick it pick it apart, it could be a defensive da-da-da, midfield da-da-da, like feel free to send those in. You can go onto the website. I know we've been shouting about it a bit, this podcast. It's that petercrouchpodcast.com. You can send us a message through that. So I just want to bring everyone up to speed. I made some outlandish statements about wanting to get fit. Peloton then got in touch, didn't they, Crouchy? And uh, after a couple of conversations with yourself, they're now involved um, because they listen to the pod and they're going to help me become the best version of myself. Yeah, without doubt. Um, I I have noticed that you haven't cut out the loads when we record. Is that an issue or not? No, not really, because the best version of myself still has to be an honest representation. You're still going to have a beer. Jokes aside, I think it's about me just feeling a bit better about myself. The fact is, I'm probably not going to cut out beer my whole life, but so I need to balance it out with a bit of fitness and I'll feel better about myself. Makes perfect sense. For it. And you might have heard in a recent episode that I got some advice from Tony Bellew. He uses Peloton. And we also spoke to one of the Peloton instructors called Ben. One week into the challenge, Chris. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, it's okay. I think a lot of it has been... 
because, you know, I've got the bike and I've got this treadmill. I think it's been about setting it up and sort of exploring it and learning. It didn't take too long to figure out. So actually I'm trying to maybe already make excuses mm. in certain bits. But I am enjoying it. I think I, I'm picking classes that are quite beginner sort of level and you can filter it by that and do the beginner stuff. But I genuinely, I come off sweating. And can someone answer me this as well? I've, I finished these workouts that Ben's made for me and then I carry on sweating for like 45 minutes, I'm saying, afterwards. In which case then that's extra stuff that's happening outside of what's been registered. Interesting. I'm sure of it, Crouchy. You, you'll be still burning calories 100% because your heart rate will be high and that will have to come down and you'll be burning more as you do that. So you're putting in the effort, Chris. Yeah, and I think the, the other side of this was I just don't feel very fit or motivated to do much fitness. And then having these instructors there that are kind of guiding you through it and this plan is... I am finding it's working. It's week one, so it's all quite simple stuff at the moment, but I'm hoping it will all kind of go up the same level that I improve. How are you doing with, like, selecting the classes? So, uh, I do have a method in this at the moment. So, the good thing about it is it's got, like, a filter thing. So, you can select by duration. You can select instructor. You can select what music you want. It can refine your results based on kind of what you're looking for. So, I go time. Then I'll do beginners because I'm a beginner, then I tend to, if I'm being really honest about this, I then go by instructor because I want to select an instructor I feel will motivate me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll go music in that order. So Chris, what does week one really look like? I did a uh, mm. beginner Peloton ride, uh, which was all fine. Actually, I smashed that. Um, and then a 30-minute 90s music class. 30 minutes? Yeah. See, I don't, I'm, I'm not very good on a bike. Like, I don't think I could do 30 minutes bike. Yeah, I did a 30-minute tre- a treadmill EDM walk-slash-run. Oh, that's that, that'll be right up my street, that. But do you know what? I couldn't get out of my head. What was that story you told us about Graham Souness and a yoga sort of thing? Like, yeah, yeah, well, he caught me doing yoga, didn't he? I was in Barbados, and you had the gloves on, like, lifting weights, and I was in the downward dog with his missus. <laughs> You see, that's the, that's the problem. I haven't touched the yoga yet because all I've got is Sunes. And... I, I think the modern man should get involved in yoga, but Sunes is very much not... He had the gloves on, the heavy weightlifting gloves, mm-hmm. and he was out. And he had, you know, one of those little towels you have around you, over your shoulder, and he was lifting, do you know what I mean? And then he came in just to check about if his missus was all right and it was i'm not joking 15 women and me and that's the thing so i will i do think week two i might give yoga a little go it's good just, you know just, honestly like and do you know what you you, you laugh about it. it's hard is it? yoga and pilates i do it with abs sometimes do you do that next to each other yeah that's another thing as well missus did propose doing a joint workout together with um, me and you no 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 like me and my missus yeah would that motivate you to beat her Competitive yoga, what would that look like in your well, eyes? I that's a, that's what I wouldn't win with that. Like she's she could definitely get she's more flexible than me. <laughs> but for now all going well. Really positive start, Chris. I see a bit of determination in your eye, you want to do this, but Crouch, you've got someone up your sleeve for next episode. I do, yeah. I, I just know how hard he's been working. Obviously, he's been keeping tabs on him and um I've got a little surprise for you that will help you and, and G you up and and hopefully get you to that next level. Great. Now it is time for our favourite part of the pod now, boys. So obviously we've got adverts on this podcast and we want to throw it open to you guys. If you've got something that you'd like to get rid of or advertise or shout about, think of this as your segment. You can come on the podcast. There's hundreds of thousands of people listening to this right now and you can 
kind of advertise whatever you want. If we're going to have adverts, it's only fair that you guys have your space. Should we hear today's one? Love to. Here we go. Hi, that Peter Crouch podcast. I'm Dean from TRD Flooring. For all your domestic and commercial flooring needs, contact us at trdflooring at outlook.com. We supply and fit all aspects of flooring, from ceramic tiles and LVT to wood floors and carpets. Remember, folks, get laid professionally. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. But I like the fact that he's promoting a flooring company. Like, that's what we're about. I think that hopefully he gets a few, a bit more work from that. Um, but I love the tagline. Yeah. I love any business where they do the puns. You know, the kebab fans with, um, you know, Jason Donovan. Um, nice. Oh, God, so many businesses. We used to do this thing on the show where we'd call up some businesses with with funny names. It was the Muff Liquor Company. Really? What's that? What is that? Well, there's a place in Northern Ireland called Muff. And so it's a liquor company based in Muff. <sighs> <laughs> you, Makes mate, sense. Haven't I haven't told you this. That's why I went there. I decided to go visit Muff because I was sort of intrigued by it. There's a mayor of Muff. <laughs> And better still, I became a fully-fledged member of the Muff Diving Association. <laughs> so I wore a full scuba outfit and went to go visit Muff. My God, that is blowing my mind. <laughs> I'll whack this one up yeah, on the right. socials yeah, just get in case you want to see it. But yeah, Muff, a lovely place. And yeah, look, if you've got an advert, if you've got something you'd like to come on a podcast and advertise, um, come do it. Get in touch. Just get us through the website, www.thatpetercrouchpodcast.com. Really enjoyed these last couple of episodes. It's like nice to sort of reminisce, really, and remember some of the good times I've had with some of the greatest players, you know? Like, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed spending time with every single one of these players and top players in their own right. And um, it's nice to sort of get it down and, and reminisce about it all, really. Yeah, totally. Um, this has gone on really late tonight. I'll, I'll give you a little insight. Like, sometimes we record this podcast and we always sit down, we take a while, don't we? And we have a couple of pints, but... It's, it's getting towards 11 o'clock. <laughs> but there was, there was points where I was getting into players and we were just talking about them for so long. And obviously you won't hear probably half of the stuff that we've chatted about. But you get the best bits. But it's just so interesting and like enjoyable to sort yeah. of sit down and dissect people for so long. Mate, it's great stories. Thank you. I think you can tell from our voice and everything we're saying, we're a couple of pints in now, so we better wrap, better wrap this up. Go home up to our phone. families. Like, believe me, we're going to be in trouble for this recording. It's all good, Ab's but it's blo- worth it. Ab's blowing up my phone here. Where the fuck are you? It's, it's one of them. It's gone on slightly later, kicking out time in 20 minutes, so we're going to wrap this up. Um, Crouchfest, we do actually need to get our shit together with that one, so any ideas, um, send them through. And, and most importantly, help us like shout about it and get out so that everyone that wants to be there can come along and come enjoy it. It's gonna be um, it's gonna be a great night. Chumba Wumba. Every year, one thing is always predictable: postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. 
This episode is brought to you by a load of pricks.net. We are the experts in selling houses. Chris couldn't sell his house. What did you do, Chris? I couldn't sell my house for love nor money, Crouchy. Three different offers I had, all at the last minute, fell through. I turned round to my wife and said, what can we do to sell this house? Every estate agent is failing us. Then I told her, let's go to a load of pricks.net. But Chris, what did a load of pricks do for you? They were brilliant, Crouchy. They sold my house right away. The sign had barely gone up when a well-dressed gentleman came along and offered me twice the asking price. Chris, would you use a load of pricks again? I'd use them every time, Crouchy. Go to a load of pricks.net. They will sell your house like no other. Load of pricks, load of pricks.net.